0: So, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. I was uh, so taken by what Pastor preached this morning on the Feast of Tabernacles because I think sometimes we're so agog, as at least I am, at what is going on out in the world that I forget. We are at the end of our journey, and God has some awesome things prepared for us. I do not want to get my eyes on what's going on in the world and miss what's happening in the kingdom of God. I want to go very quickly, before the scripture came to me, Brother Jim was singing about heaven's jubilee, and he was singing about what a day that will be. And there was a scripture that came to my mind, and Sister Tracy, it's not on your list, so it's in 1 John I think it's uh, the third chapter, verses 1, 2, and 3. Verse 1 John 3, 1, 2, and 3. Uh, this is what I want to get my eyes on, but the process and the way God does this is, is where I falter maybe. Maybe you don't, but these things came to me, and I wanted to share them with you. The scripture says, Behold what manner of love The Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not. We are like a bride that's in a room hidden away from everybody getting ready. That's exactly what's happening and nobody can see us. They're not supposed to. My husband has planted some little trees out on our property and they're just little bitty tiny things and they gave him at the Cooperative Extension Service, they gave him tubes. Now these tubes are kind of translucent and there's a hole at the top and the point of that tube is you're supposed to stake the tube and then cover the tree. You can't even see the tree. It's for protection. It's ventilated, but you can't get to it unless you remove that tube. He said the world doesn't know us because the world didn't know him. So we pass incognito. Verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then verse three, this is the kicker right here. This is what I wanted to put in my introduction before I launch into the fire and the fruit. Oh, hallelujah. And every man, read that with me, verse three. Every man that hath this hope in him does what? He purifies himself, even as he is pure. So that means that people that really believe, I'm going to see Jesus. Excuse me, I can't let myself get wrapped up in this. I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to be like Jesus. Excuse me, I can't give time or attention or detail. I'm sorry, I'm getting ready for a wedding. I'm getting married in the morning i got to make it to the church on time, hallelujah. And I want to commend you. We've clapped hands for everybody. I want to clap my hands for you being here on a Sunday night in the middle of summer. Go ahead and give yourself a hand, praise. You could have been out on the lake, the pond, or wherever it is we all go, the water. I get it. I didn't before. I've lived 15 years in Ohio now and it's like living in Seattle in the middle of the U.S. Rains all the time and is cloudy. I get it now. I I was stunned when I first moved to Ohio and I saw people. One nice day in the winter, I looked out and there were kids going to school in flip-flops and I actually saw somebody in shorts. I did. And I was like, these people are crazy. And then I lived here and while it was like it was a sunny day, yes, it was 32 degrees, but the sun was shining. I understand it now. It's by faith. So I want to turn your attention to Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter and verse 24. I want to talk about the fire. Now, he talked about those 10 days. I got it this morning. I just want to repeat what I got. Pastor said that there are three festivals that we need to attend to, three feasts. One happens in the first month, one happens in the third, and one happens in the seventh. And the one that's in the seventh lasts for 10 days, and it's a biggie and they signal that biggie coming by blowing a trumpet, and it starts out serious because it's preparing the congregation for atonement. I feel like we are in an hour when the trumpet's being blown and lots of us are facing stuff that have been packed away in our pantry and God's requiring us to unpack some things and go through our stuff. Now, you'll see that metaphor. Aren't we glad to have Bishop and Sister Joe Strand with us? They have been packing and unpacking and repacking, and I'm telling you the truth. If this family ever goes anywhere again and packs anything, I'm going to kill them. I'm I'm telling you now. And take my word for it. You don't need to hang on to a bunch of stuff. I never want to move again. I just want to go vertical. I'm telling you the truth. This world is not my home, and I don't want to own those boxes, but I got boxes. I do. Oh, Jesus, help me. Deuteronomy 4:24. I want you to know what kind of God we're serving. When they blew that trumpet, I also want to say this to you, the world doesn't get any of this. When I was a kid growing up and the Lord would start dealing with me, I'd be like, what about him? What about, what, why are you picking on me? I'm a good kid, evidently not. But, <laughs> and then I had my answer, but I didn't know why. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire. And then he breaks it down. He said, I don't want you to just think that he's a little campfire that you're going to roast a marshmallow in. He's passionate. What kind of God is he? What does it say up there? He's a jealous God. He is fiery. He's concerned with everything that concerns us. In fact, he's more than concerned. He's jealous. If I spend too much time on anything and not time with him, I start feeling the heat. I'm going to tell you now, I start feeling the heat, and it's not a happy heat. It's a, what are you doing and where are you? You know what I'm saying? Well, I was at the gym. Well, I was, you know what? When you first get married and you start drawing the lines of where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing, this is not an acceptable answer. I was with my girlfriends. That won't get it. You know what I'm saying? Because a jealousy A jealousy. When you get married and you settle on somebody, you don't play anymore with anybody else. You don't have his friends, her friends, and our friends. You're lucky if you've got our, but when you get started, it's just me and you. It may not even be a dog named Blue. For those of us who know, that was just a little reference there. Our God is abundant in love, joy, peace, mercy, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith. That's the book of Galatians, the fifth chapter. That's his character. He said, I will share my character with you if you have my spirit. But that's him. That's called the fruits of the spirit. That means that's what the spirit is. But in addition to all of those wonderful qualities that we love about him... He's extremely attentive to what has to do with us. He watches and guards over us. To him, we are the pearl of great price that he gave all for and went out in the field and dug it up and gave everything and hid it. Now, I know we say Jesus is the pearl. I'd say Jesus would say we're the pearl. And we're born under great affliction, You know how a pearl is formed? Tell me how a pearl is formed in an oyster. It takes what? Sand. It's irritation. Oh, hallelujah. That's how a pearl is formed. And guess what the gates are to the city where we're going? Guess what they're made of? Nobody's going there without passing through irritation. You're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. But our God watches over us. He observes us. We are observed, protected, guarded, shielded, and attended to every day of our lives. Now, we don't feel God breathing on our necks. But I want you to know he's watching us every single day. You know why? Because he's waited a long time for us. The rest of the world, Jesus said... In the last days, it's going to be like the days of Noah. Do you know how quickly we got to Noah? Well, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, bam. Then not long after Cain and Abel were the days of Noah. And Jesus said, we're going not to the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, we done past Sodom and Gomorrah, folks. We're going back to the days of Noah when it got so bad, he said, I'm going to have to destroy the whole planet. He said, I'm not going to do it with water, though. I'm going to do it with fire this time. Say, I don't like fire. I don't want that kind of passion. I don't want to be involved in that. You cannot walk with this God then. And our God watches over us even when we sleep. He never sleeps. Psalms 121 and 4. I'm asleep. The Bible says, behold, he that keepeth Israel neither slumbers. He doesn't nod off. You go to sleep, but God doesn't. He's still watching. He's watching over you and you and you and even you. While you're sleeping, he's observing. He's tending. Now, every now and then I go out and check those little maple trees and try to do my little part to make sure they're alive. I take off that tube and I dig up the weeds. But I only do that every now and then because I... But God is not the husbandman I am. I, I'm occasional. I'm telling you what, he's watching. He's watching. He's guarding. He's observing. He's attending. He's jealous. Everybody say he's jealous. jealous. Just because you don't feel it doesn't mean it's not so. He is to us what he was to Israel. He's fire by night and cloud by day. Since he created everything in order to redeem and purchase a bride before the foundation of the world was laid, he is jealous over those whom he has called, chosen, and designated for his salvation and ultimately transformation into his own image. You did not start this race so that you could retire on a pew, join a hyphen group, be part of the youth, go to a camp meeting, have an occasional camping trip, and be your natural checking off the Holy Ghost like a box you tick, the Feast of Tabernacles has begun, and the Day of Atonement is upon us. Say, well, Jesus atoned for me. I'm telling you, there is a trumpet call that's saying get up and get yourself ready. Start, and the Lord is bringing us into account. He's bringing us into account. Can you feel the heat? Say, I don't like the heat, but I don't want to be a bride that walks down the aisle with wrinkles in my dress. And I don't want stains and soils on that garment. I was praying the other day. You know, pastor was going to preach about this feast. And I said, Lord, count me worthy to walk in white. Now, Queen Victoria is the one who started the tradition of brides marrying in white. Before her, no bride ever got married in white. I don't know if she read the book of Revelation and said, the white linen is the righteousness of the saints. But I'm going to tell you something. The ability to know what is right and wrong is a gift from God. Just take a look at the headlines and figure out. When people don't have God in their lives, they lose their minds. And they lose their direction and they lose their ability to discern good from evil. All they know is evil. Then they call it good, we vote on it, and they pass legislation. And it's the people I sat in class with, it's the baby boomers have raised the Pandora's box and said, why do we need to do all this? And our children and grandchildren are going to inherit the wind. This generation won't pass. It's not going to pass till all these signs are fulfilled. I may be an old lady when Jesus comes. I don't know. I may die of something and be in a box. But I'm telling you, we are the generation of the last trumpet. We are the generation of the latter rain. And our God is a consuming fire. So he's not interested in the billions of people on this planet going their way. He already knew they were going to go their way. He's not going to spend his time on people that don't want him. But he's going to be breathing down the neck of those that do. And that's what you want. You want to be regarded, attended. I want you to look at Romans 8 and 29. Whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God called you and intended to shape you into a little Jesus. Down here, not there, here. He called me. He called you, First Peter 2 and 9. The Bible says you are a chosen generation. That means the whole crew of people alive right now, our old people, our little tiny children. He wasn't talking to the world. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to the people that are in this church tonight. He said, I know you don't like the music of the little kids or the older kids, or and the little kids don't like the music from the older people. I'm telling you, he said, all of y'all were chosen by me. He said, you're a chosen generation, so you're relevant. You say, I'm too old to be relevant. That's a lie. You say, I'm too young to be relevant. You are necessary. God chose this generation. He said, you're a royal priesthood when you get up and sing to him and when you pay your tithe and your offering you are not serving me you're not serving cac you are ministering to a consuming fire and a jealous god Every time you raise your hand, every time you worship, every time you come to the front, you're not doing that because that's what CAC does. He said, I got some people at that little church that's barely a 100 years old, and they come whether the preaching's good or not, whether the music is good or not, because they're not serving the program, they're serving me. You are a royal priesthood. Now, I don't know how you think royals are treated, but I've been reading about those royals in Britain and they're treated pretty selectively. Limited access, all kinds of resources, and people are watching how they spend it. They're very jealous. God's watching. And he said, You are a holy nation. You say, Well, I'm I'm African American. Well, I'm American Indian. I'm Italian. Well, I'm German. No, you're not. You're none of those. When we step into his body, we become his holy nation. I don't mind you eating chicken, and I don't mind you eating whatever it is your ethnicity eats, cow tongue and beef tail, and I don't mind you eating pasta and pizza, and I don't mind you eating tacos and tortillas, but I'm telling You what this kingdom is not what you put in your mouth, it's what comes out of your belly. He said, You're my nation, you belong to me, and I am jealous. I'm a fire. Say, I don't want, I don't like that kind of passion. And you cannot be married to this God. He is passionate. And he said, I chose a peculiar people do you know what peculiar means it doesn't mean you're goofy or you're abnormal it means you are rare you are the rarest And when I look out in that world and I see the chasm between what the world is doing and what this church is doing, I see how unique we are on a Sunday night, people who are dressed like they're going to someplace fancy, dressed beautifully, dressed for the occasion and praising and magnifying. That's peculiar. You look like you're going to something special. That's odd, that's not normal. That's not the way of the world. They don't do that unless they determine the occasion. He said, you're my people, you please me. You are a peculiar people and I called you out of darkness for one reason. So you could show my praises. I want you to reveal me to those other people that don't know me, that don't hear me, that don't love me. I want them to see the difference. Say, our God is a consuming fire. Because God has gone through so much. As pastor began to teach all this, I was like, my Lord, I doubt that Paul and Peter ever heard anybody get up and give a summary of the Old Testament and say, now this is what they did then and this is what God is doing now. They didn't have all that revelation. Look at us, we didn't even go to seminary and he got up and just laid out this mystery. Daniel didn't even know this stuff because I went to Bishop and I said, I've been reading the book of Daniel, explain some things to me. And they were in the car talking and they said, well, Daniel never saw the church age. He never saw me coming. I wasn't in his mode of thinking. He didn't get it. I know things Daniel doesn't know. And Daniel was brilliant. Look, he's giving it to simpletons. People that have no education, that don't speak Chaldean, that didn't serve a great king, that haven't uttered a spirit of prophecy. He gave it to you and me. We are precious. We are the pearl of great price. And we're at the end and the Lord's trying to get us ready. He went through so much to deliver this word that you got this morning, thousands of years of preparation, generations of humanity, his own birth, life, and death as a human, then resurrection. Pentecost, the church, scattered, persecuted, reborn, outpoured again in the 20th century, and now again rising in numbers across the globe amidst continued persecution and opposition. If you think the world likes this message any more than it did on the day of Pentecost, then you need to pinch yourself and wake up. People are still being murdered because they believe in Jesus. Amen. And I don't know that those people even have the full revelation, but they're being killed because they don't believe in Allah or Buddha. Or they don't, they're not handy. I'm telling you, we are living in a moment where, where God has cleared the ground because he wants to do something unique in us. I want him to do it in me. Amen. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord right now. Jesus, do this in me. I've been waiting on you. You're renewing my strength. I'm asking you to be my chain breaker. Hallelujah. So I want to tell you something. He's very jealous over everything that occupies our lives. Now, we may think we live a very mundane existence. God has given us daily routines so we can grow and know him in safe conditions. He's waited a long time for this apostolic church. He's waited a long time for people who know who he is, what he is, and what he can do. He pulled us out of the darkness. Some of you, your stories, you've never gotten up and told. Some of you are the only one in your family that has ever received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and come out uh, and lived a godly life. Some of you come from lives that are indescribable and you're the only one. Now, how is it that God picked you and pulled you out and right next to you, your cousin didn't get any of this? Precious. He pulled us out of our individual family lives, our DNA and whatever genetics got us here. Once you got here, he put a mark on you and said, mine. He waited to have a conversation with people who get who he is. He's been waiting for these prayer meetings daily. Your little voice. You're singing. You're reading his Bible to him. You're meeting in the prayer room. Your Tuesday morning prayer. Your corporate prayer once a month. Your daily prayer. You're driving in the car. You're in the shower prayer. You're in the closet prayer. Your prayer is under your breath at work. Do you know how long he's waited to hear you? I want to establish that because he's not about to let anything happen to you now. So why are we going through stuff? I want to thank the Lord right now. Do you see the shoe I'm in here? You see that? Now look here, look here. I want to just show you something. I got all prissy this morning. I can't do it tonight, but look here. This is what I came prison in this morning. Hallelujah. So I have a weakness. So you know what I do when the paint is bad? I put my ugly brace on, and I tie that shoe up and I just keep going. You know what that's like? That's like the Holy Ghost. I got a weakness. I gotta have some strength. JJ, when we were working together at high school, she'd come in from work and I would crack up. Every day she would say, Lord, give us strength every day. I turned to her one day not long ago and I said, you know what? I get it now. <laughs> I so get it. She'd come in. Lord, give us strength. Tell me hilarious stories about the boys in her art class who were put there because they didn't have any place else to tell them. They couldn't have drawn a stick figure. But they wound up in her class and it was like a movie set. I never laughed so hard in my life as some of the stories she told in little Southern Town, USA. Jesus is shaping us into his image and likeness. If you believe that, you're going to purify yourself. He's not going to consign us to death and destruction and darkness and gloom. Although the devil will tell you, this thing you've got, it's the end of you. Your life's going to change forever. Our God is a consuming fire and a jealous God. He's jealous of who and what occupies our thoughts and our feelings. Most of us can manage our feeling life, but sometimes we forget there's a God inside of us who also knows what we're thinking. We think our thoughts are hidden, and you know, we're like little kids. My little kids would play hide-and-seek with me, and I'd say, ready or not, here I come. And one time I said to Sheena, where are you? And she said, I overhear. Blew the whole point of hide and seek. Well, let me tell you, when we're hiding from God and he says, where are you, it's not because he does not know. Remember, of all the billions of people he settled on us, he's jealous. He wants to know what's absorbing our time and our resources. He's jealous of how we spend our time and our money. He's jealous of what makes us laugh and cry and what makes us angry. The greatest power in the universe. I went I looked it up cuz I wanted to see. You know the sun, our sun that keeps everything alive is the most powerful force that we have in our solar system for us. That sun is exploding all the time. Do you know you can't even look at it. And I don't know how many thousands and thousands of miles we are away from it, but you know you'll scorch your cornea and go blind if you look at the sun. You do know that, don't you? You can't even look at it. It's almost like God has painted a picture in the sky Up, you see that planet there that gives so much life, it can give death too. I want you to understand it's nothing but a ball of fire. Well, in the universe, there are stars that are 150 times more powerful than our sun. And they're exploding and they're called hypernovas. I want you to understand, I know people can split atoms, but the strongest power on the face of the earth and in the universe is fire. It's fire, folks. And our God is a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. He doesn't want anything to be greater to us in range, scope, or or power than him, not your foot, not your heart. This is why I had to go through a little test, just a little test. Do I fear and revere God more than I'm afraid of what's going to happen to my foot? What about those of you that been through cancer? And I remember Sister Vicki told me her story. I think she said she had four kinds of cancer and that's been 17, 18 years ago. And she said that she was just wrestling and wrestling and wrestling. You don't feel like a pearl when you're going through something. You don't feel any of that. You just feel afraid. And at some point the scales have to balance. Your fear has to be of that great, vast, consuming, jealous God and we have to bring it back down to where it belongs. Now, wait a minute, God. Uh, you know, you're a consuming fire, and I'm the pearl of great price. Which is bigger, this or you? And she said, a scripture came to her I shall live and not die. Did I tell the truth? I told it right, didn't I? What are you saying? This God cares when we're scared, He cares when we're angry. He cares when we're frustrated. He cares when we're depressed. He's very concerned when we're discouraged. He wants to know what's going on because he's got over everything. So why am I feeling all this? It's not enough to study him. It's not enough to read the Bible. We have to experience him. John said, Matthew 3:11. now we're out of the Feast of Tabernacles where the fire was on the mountain of Sinai and the people were scared. John said in Matthew 3:11, I'm going to baptize you with water unto repentance. I'm going to put you down in the water so it's like a certificate Sunday when you go, man, I remember when I got baptized, I got to quit doing what I used to do because John baptized me in the Jordan River. I got to quit it. He said, I'm going to give you a moment of repentance like that, where you can remember in your own mind that you changed, that you, he said, but what the one that's coming after me, he's not going to baptize you with water. He's going to hit you with what? Two things, the Holy Ghost and what? Now we all get the Holy Ghost, but I'm not sure we get the fire. He said, when you step into me, it's going to be electrifying, and you're going to live an electrified life. You're not going to tick me off like a box. I'm going to have a relationship with you, and it's going to be fiery because I'm jealous. And if you cross a line, I'm going to yank you back. You're going to know. You say, why would you do that? Because remember the first thing? He said, I don't designed and designated you to be like me i'm watching over you you're not a maple tree in a tube you're a pearl of great price you're hidden away nobody can see what you are except me i'm all up in your business i'm up in it i'll send that man to say blow the trumpet. I'll talk to you about atonement. All those animals, the instant he said this morning, they took all the carcasses of the heifers and the bulls and the goats and the rams. Do you know how that stunk and what that looked like? And they gathered up all those dead bodies and took them outside the camp and set them on fire. Yeah. Our God is a consuming This church was born in fire. Acts the second chapter verses one through four. People who don't like the emotion of this, who don't want to taste the fiery God that we serve, I'm frightened for them because they feel it in other places. I'm telling you, you can't straddle the fence of I love God this much, but I don't want that fiery passionate. You either are fired up or you're cooling down. I am concerned. I heard the trumpet blow, and I recognize I got boxes. What's that mean? We're fixing to unpack some boxes, sister. You got some stuff in your life. Say, where are you going with this? When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind filled the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There is no way to experience a fiery God without experiencing the Holy Ghost. No way. No way. There is no way. I can't describe it to you. It's like you taking a bar of chocolate and looking at it and weighing it and reading the ingredients and putting it in the refrigerator and taking it out and looking at it and talking about it and reading books on it. But you don't know until you taste and see that the Lord is good, that this is not a destructive fire. It's a purifying fire. It's a cleansing fire. It's a healing fire. It's an illuminating fire. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. Hebrews 12, 29, Paul picked it up. For our God is a consuming fire. So even though we left the Old Testament, he's still fire in the new. That's a warning and an encouragement because there's nothing stronger than fire. There's no greater power on earth or the universe than fire. So what happens to us after we receive the fire of the Holy Ghost and this is where I'm going and this is what I felt in my spirit. First Peter 4, 12 through 13. Beloved, think it not strange. Lord, if I'm a pearl concerning the fiery trial. Whew, man, this is not just a trial. I, I'm just... The heat, the pressure. You get out in this heat and you work, you're going to sweat. When you're in a fiery trial, you know what happens? This is hot. I don't like this heat. I'm under pressure. He said, don't think it's strange as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice. Oh, the trumpets sounded. Am I in the Feast of Tabernacles? Are you kidding me? If this is atonement, this doesn't feel good. Yeah, but fruit's coming. Yeah, I didn't know you were gonna talk about it. You gotta pass through the fire to get to the fruit. Yes. Do you hear me? They messed up. They saw the fruit of Canaan, and they said, "Oh, we can't do this. We, I can't. I can't take this pressure. I can't take this. I can't take this disease. I can't take this. I can't take. I can't take it. I can't take it." He said, "All I want you to do is go into Canaan, and I want you to look it out. And you're going to come against some opposition. I'm going to be with you, but you're going to make it. Oh, I don't want it." Give me a happy pill. I want to party on the weekends. I want to go out. I want to be free of pressure. I don't like this pressure. You cannot get to the fruit until you pass through the fire. Now I want you to listen to me. He said, I want you to rejoice in as much you're partakers of Christ's sufferings that when the door opens and the herald announces, behold the bride, that you can go. I passed through the fire. Now I'm ready to party. I'm gonna party. Listen to me. The Lord is interested in our history. You don't come to God and hide the majority of your life in a a cardboard box and pack it away and say, before God, BC. God wants to get into the BC box. Because that's part of you and part of me. You say, well, I buried that in the blood. Yes, but there are things that trouble us. And God wants us to get into the boxes we've packed. And it's t- he makes us go through some things. Did you know that when you go through fire, people's priorities, they immediately, when the house is on fire, what would you go grab first? Priorities are revealed. The Lord is interested in our history. Our troubles, our problems, our unresolved issues. When you get your feelings hurt and you don't, the Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. He's saying, don't go to bed mad. Neither give place. To the devil. So two things happen. I got mad. I got my feelings hurt. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with it. I'm just, I'm done with it. It's over. It's not over. Because it's not been resolved. And when you get under pressure, guess what happens? All those things you didn't resolve, they come back. You say, I'll control them. No, you won't. Because the fire is going to reveal them. It's going to reveal things in us that we didn't deal with. Why would you do that? Because you have to pass through the fire. And every thought, every feeling, every emotion. You say, I'm struggling and I don't like it. I'm feeling things I've never felt before. And I'm having thoughts I don't like. And I don't know what to do about it. And I need Jesus to help me. I'm going to tell you this right now. Ecclesiastes 3.15 says, That which has been is now. That which is to be hath already been, and God requires that which is past. Do you know what that means? God wants to get into all my boxes that I boxed up my feelings, and I put it over here, and I said, I'm not going to deal with that. And I boxed up my thoughts, and I said, I'm not going to deal with that. And I boxed up issues, and I said, I'm not going to deal with that. And all of a sudden, the fire comes and the boxes start burning and I see things that are lying around and God what do you want me to do with this and you feel overwhelmed and you're struggling because you've not dealt with the boxes and I'm telling you this is not an occasion to be frightened or fearful it's an occasion to say Lord I want everything I own to pass through the fire and if it's not from you burn it up and if it's worthy I want to keep it I'm on my way to the new Jerusalem See, I don't want to unpack my past I don't want to unpack how I argue I don't want to talk about how I live I don't want anybody to know how we fight when we're at home I don't want anybody to know my secret sins and my issues and my problems I'm telling you the trumpet has sounded and there is a fire of the Holy Ghost that needs to get in us and we've got two weeks I'm not saying it's judgment day, but I asked them some questions. I said, Daniel said that the dead, many of those who are in the dust are going to get up. And some of them are going to get up to shame. And some of them are going to get up to life. What are they talking about? And they both said, that's the great judgment. When everything that has breathed air is going to stand before the throne of God. And then they're going to unpack right then in front of everybody but not for us because our God is a consuming fire and he will take you to your pantry and ask you to go through every little piece that you've kept all the stuff I've kept the memories of who did me wrong who hurt my feelings he's going to take me back there and say girl you're going to have to decide to let it burn or keep it and I want to make the right choice oh lift your hands I'll feel the fire of the Shatara Yemahaya we have to give over the past as we remember it or the pressure reveals it we've been married 42 years in November I have seen people who appear to be doing fine suddenly come apart at the seams literally fall apart. And we're trying to hold on to them. You know what's happened? The pressure is revealing. It's revealing what's been going on when they've been managing it. I don't want my trouble to manage me. I want the Holy Ghost to manage my trouble. Our God is a consuming. That means there's nothing left. Say, why would you submit yourself to that? Excuse me. Have you been reading the headlines lately about what's going on out there? He said, signs in the heavens and signs in the earth. Europe is on fire. They're calling it hell over there now. They're having record-breaking temperatures. The weather has gone off the charts. Animals are perishing. They're counting. They're they're extinguished. I'm not looking at that. I feel a stirring in myself as that fiery God says, Girl, did you spend any time with me today? I need you to take a break. I need you to rest. I need you because the fire is here. Yes. Now, for them it's hellfire. For me, it's holy fire. He says, I'm going to put you under pressure. And I'm going to deal with you about how you deal with it. Because I'm going to have to show you what's inside of you. So you can let me take it or you can choose to keep it. Whatever, listen to me. Listen well. Whatever the fire brings up, we have to commit to God. You may lay awake at night and something from your past come to you that you didn't resolve. Hatred for people, bitterness, anger, jealousy, I don't know. God's going to bring it up. You say, how do I deal with it? Second Timothy 1 and 12, put that up, Sister Tracy, for the which cause I also suffered these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him. God, this happened to me. Lord, it can't stop me. I'm not letting it stop me. I'm going to give it here. I'm going to burn it. I'm bringing this offering. I wish we had a fire pit right up here tonight. I'm going to tell Justin Smith's story again. That boy said he was bitter at God because they miscarried a baby and he wanted a baby and it made him mad. Now, did you know he was mad? Could you tell by the way he was playing drums that he was mad? Could you tell by the way he walked with Lacey that he was mad? But there came in a moment when it needed to be revealed. You're bitter. You're mad. And he took a moment. It was was at an Esther Joseph conference when the church wasn't full. And they're just a bunch of kids. And their parents and a few chaperones that love kids. And he had a chance. Write on that piece of paper what your issue is. There are two things we can give to God. We can give. All of it though has to do with what matters to me most. He's jealous, remember? I can't give him. David said, I'm not going to give him something that didn't cost me anything. Oh, God, I'm going to spend 30 seconds with you. I'm going to read one chapter so I can tick that box off. You think God doesn't know when we're just dancing around with him and, and spending time just to make him feel good? He knows. He knows. And he's not asking to spend time with me because uh, I need to build him up. And he knows eternity and he knows when I'm going to enter it. And that young man, the Feast of Tabernacles, he told us, I didn't know we were there. Justin took a piece of paper. I didn't know he did that. I didn't know he was here playing the drums for us. We had a prayer line, all the kids lined up and we had the adults on either side. I said, you've got to pass through. I didn't know it's like passing through fire. They would lay their hands and those kids would weep and cry and speak in tongues. I said, when you go through that door in there, there's a piece of paper and a pencil. You write down what you're going to put in the fire to the Lord. You're going to give it up. Brother Heath is my witness. He was out there with him that night, if I'm not mistaken. Justin wrote down. I don't know what words he said. I am hurt because God took my baby. He took it personal and it became an issue. And God said, this is an issue with you. I didn't take your baby, maybe nature, maybe there was something wrong with that little child and I just let nature take its course. But there was a voice in there, God, I'm just mad at you. And God said, that's going to kill that boy. I'm going to have to unpack that issue. Not because I'm trying to shame him, embarrass him, and hurt him. It's going to kill him if he doesn't get rid of it. That's a snake coiled up in a box. I'm going I'm to try that box by fire. He can't take that with him. That can't go with him. And that child wrote down He's hurt. And walked out to that fire pit. Nothing fancy, no no strings and angels. He walked up weeping. And that night he burned that bitterness and lifted his hands and wept and cried it out and got it out of his system. And the next year, beautiful little baby boy was born. Paul said, I've had to put some things in the fire. I had to give it to God. I had to get, I can't hold this anymore. Too powerful for me. My anger is too powerful. My bitterness is too powerful. My jealousy, my anxiety, my worry, my fears, they're getting bigger than you, God. I should have no other God before me. He's calling us into account. He said, I want to know what you packed away and what you hid away and what you didn't deal with. I got to have it all. You don't get to reserve a little secret cache of precious things that you hold back. I want it. Now I want to show you something. Listen to me. You better hear me well. I know as I am living and breathing, it's the truth. The grace of God is what we need when the fire puts us under the pressure. Paul said, I cannot take this thorn. It's constant. It hurts. It bleeds. I am wounded. God, it feels so bad. I feel it every day of my life. Please. Please, I can serve you so much better if you'll just remove This please please take it away three times and the Lord didn't answer him, and on the third time he said My grace Unmerited favor, you know what he was saying? My eye is always on you. I favor you. In fact, I you're precious to me, Paul. Paul, do you know that you're in the center of my attention? Do you know that I know you by name, Paul? Do you know that I chose you, that I called you? Paul, my favor is greater than your thorn. Sufficient, for when you're weak, oh, you let me be God. So when you are under pressure and memories start coming back, old hurts, you start pulling away from people that know and love you, and you're ashamed and angry, and I don't know whatever else. God knows. This is what the Bible said, Hebrews 12:15. I want you to go there with me, and if you can underline any scripture, I want you to underline this. It's 631. I'm coming to an end. Looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. Well, what about when, if you're going to take me back, what about when I'm telling you God's going to bring up stuff, you're going to hear stuff, you're going to feel stuff, and you know why he's going to do it? You say, well, it's the devil bringing it up. I don't know who's bringing it up, but it's bring, if it's brought up, it needs to be dealt with. If you're laying awake at night, it needs to be dealt with. If you're slipping around and fearful and anxious, it needs to be dealt with. And I don't know how long you've been dealing with it, but it's got to be dealt with. The fire's revealing it. There's something going on in me, and it's not right, and I don't feel right, and I'm not thinking right, and I know I'm not right you got to go through the fire to get to the fruit. And there is an end to this. There's an end in sight. It's not always going to be this. There's a, there's a purpose and a plan when you're wrestling. He said, I, I don't want you, if you fail the grace of God, then every part of you is going to be tainted with bitterness. The only way to answer the hurt, the offenses, the brutality, the wrongs, the things that and you don't even know sometimes. And I don't even know when we're bitter and we have memories and it changes our perception of our life. And we can't be thankful and we can't be grateful and we can't be celebratory. And the trumpets mean nothing and the festival means nothing. And God said ten times you've griped in the wilderness. I gave you ten times. To deal with your stuff. Israel, you have complained and murmured ten times. And I was going to bring you in. But all you could see was leaks and garlics and sand and dirt. And you couldn't deal with the irritation. And you wouldn't accept my grace. You were the apple of my eye. It should have been enough. Now there will be no Feast of Tabernacles t- till the day of Pentecost when there's a group of people who go, Jesus, will stay with you and celebrate. And I'll go through whatever you've got to do to make me in your image and in your likeness unpack every box that I brought with me. <sighs> He said, I don't want a root of bitterness to spring up and suddenly your whole life. You're ready to walk out, throw up your hands and throw in the towel and say, it's over. I I can't take anymore. I can't take the pressure. I can't. It's done. I'm done. It's done. We're done. Everything's done. Do people do it? Yes. Why? Unresolved issues. Say, why are you saying this? Because we're in fire. We're in the fire. What's it bringing up in you? What's it bringing up in me? First Peter 1, 6 through 8. You say, how do you know this sister your show Because I feel it too. I'm telling you how we're going to get through it. Are you listening to me? You can't look back on your life having walked with Jesus and see nothing but sorrow and death and gloom and depression and disturbance. What's creating that? He said, when the Lord is your shepherd, surely two things will follow me. What are they? goodness and mercy. And when you turn around, what do you see? What do you see? Hurt, anger, bitterness, disappointment. First Peter 1, 6 through 8, I want to read it. And then I'm going to read you the conclusion of the matter. Wherein you greatly rejoice. Everyone say, greatly rejoice. Do you know what Sunday night service is? It's a chance for you to forget about what you're going through, your thorn in the flesh, your trouble, and just to rejoice. God, I know there's an end to this. I know know that you're doing some things in me. Thank you, Lord. Don't give up on me. The chance to come to the front, oh, Lord God, just to stand in his presence and adore him and love him and not pick it up and deal with it all over again, over and over. He said, you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in what? heaviness through manifold temptations verse 7 that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth though it be tried with fire might be found why is God putting me through this he wants to know do you believe in me more than you're afraid for your ankle for your hand for your foot for your toe am I still the center I'm jealous I want to burn up anything that's coming between us I want Your faith to be found to praise and honor and glory when I come back. Verse 8, whom having not seen you love, he's not scalding us. He's not saying, You bunch of hypocrites and sinners. He said, I love you, you people. I know you love God. Janice Sholstrain, I know you love God, but you're in heaviness. I know you love God, Sister Susie. I know you love God, Brother John Doe, but you're in heaviness. I want you to rejoice. In whom though now you see him not believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now I want to show you. He has one purpose through our going through the fire. One, resolution and peace. Say, I don't want to bring it up. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with it. Jesus wants to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. I'm telling you he wants to deal with it. He's going to deal with it just like he dealt with Justin. Do you hear me? You know why he wanted to deal with Justin? So he could give him Jackson. So he could fully enjoy that little boy. So he gave him a moment, a private quiet moment with a piece of paper and a fire pit. And the boy went for it. I'm so glad he did. He could have stood on the razor's edge. We could be saying, pray for Justin Smith because he's backslidden now. He believes that God did him dirty. But God gave him a chance to take it to the fire, And burn the bitterness in the fire of the Holy Ghost. And say, God, you're bigger than that miscarriage. You can give me a baby. You can give me another one. You took blessed be the name of the Lord. He was teaching the boy. Son, if you'll give me your bitterness, I'll give you a blessing. You'll be able. I'll give you something wonderful. Look, Isaiah 57, 19. This is another one that you got to underline. I couldn't believe it when I found it. This was the fruit, Pastor. This was it. I create the fruit of the lips he said i want to give you an experience so you'll get up and say i went through hell and high water trying to figure out what happened to me and i cried my guts out over stuff that i went through but you know what i found out god's bigger than what i went through he said i create that praise that you're getting up and giving peace peace Said God, are you just trying to keep me in turmoil? No, I'm asking you to deal with your stuff so I can give you peace over it. Yeah. It's not peace when you're hiding. It's not peace when you're afraid someone will lay their hands on you and pray you through. It's not peace when you're trying to fake if you received the Holy Ghost and you really didn't. It's not peace when you're living a life here and living another one there. That's not peace. That's torment. He yeah. said, "I want you to deal. I want to deal with your stuff." Peace, peace to those that are close to me, and peace, peace to those that are. Far from me, he said. I want to give you a testimony. I create the fruit of the lips. I create the words that come out of your mouth after you've been through hell on earth. Kathy Predmore said, I don't, I'm not happy at my job. I don't want to work there. I don't want to be there. I'm not doing well there. I'm going through struggle. I don't understand the Bible studies. I'm having a hard time, Sister strand I don't get it. I said, they hang on. She'd tell me, I went to care group and it gave me strength. The sister Show strength. I'm just struggling. And I don't understand it. I've had the Holy Ghost and I don't get it. And, and they're closing down the plant where I worked and nobody's going to be there and they want me to work from home and I can't do it. And guess what her testimony is today. I love Job. I'm working from home. I can pray and I have a break, and I do my work and I can be at home and I'm not spending the money. My God is an awesome God. He created that testimony because He brought her through the fire. Did you hear me? He the praise that she gave to me in my ear because he brought her through her fire oh let's praise the Lord right now now look at this peace peace to him who's far off and him that's near saith the Lord and then he said I know I brought you the fire but Kathy not only am I going to give you peace I'm going to heal you. I'm going to heal you from the experience. Oh my God, do you think I'm going to hold on to my little nasty boxes of memories? I'm going to dump everything I've got. (laughs) I want peace over it all. I want peace. And I want Jesus to walk up to me and say, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Oh, can you file? Put your hand on your heart right now, Papa. I feel your presence and shield Moving like a wave through this house. Shell. God, you want to bring us through fire so we'll have a testimony. You want to resolve our issues. You want to resolve all the stuff that we're not dealing with and haven't and didn't know what to do with. Oh. Hebrews 13 15, my last scripture. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to his name. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Pastor said it. July the 14th, we're going to have a Holy Ghost outpouring. And that we need to get ourselves ready. If that's going to be the festival of booths and joy and outpouring, then we're going to have to get ready for it, folks. And I tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. He's getting ready to go through the boxes. Every one of us have been a Justin Smith and a Kathy Predmore. Everybody here had a moment where we buried stuff away. The Lord wouldn't bring it up if we dealt with it. But we might not have done. And heaven's too close. And I hear wedding music in the distance. Oh, shut I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss. So I'm going to have to go through the Passover lamb and pass through the fire and bring my stuff i hear this song in my head right now he was wounded